the fact that I'm still working uh, as a GP, um, supporting my community. Plus, I'm also working as a skin cancer um, doctor in a skin clinic. And I want to hopefully inspire some younger medical students and hopefully teach some younger medical students and let them know that this is a career goal that is achievable for women as well. Welcome to the Balanced Medics Handover Podcast. Are you questioning whether medicine is right for you and not sure what to do next? If so, you've come to the right place. This podcast is full of real examples of doctors that have gone down different paths to prove that it's possible to transform your life and that it's never too late. I'm your host, Isabella, the founder of Balanced Medics and a doctor that left clinical medicine. If you're ready to make changes now and live a life more aligned with your own values, coaching could be for you. You don't need to stay stuck. Reach out and see what's possible at balancemedics.com forward slash coaching. And now to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Handover Podcast. This episode will be focused on finding your niche within medicine and I'm super excited to have a friend of mine here to help us, Dr. Marika Johns. We met in university and she's gone on to do some really great things. Marika graduated from medical school in 2015, became a general practitioner in 2022 and has a special interest in sexual health, pediatrics and dermatology. She is currently continuing with ongoing training to become an accredited skin cancer doctor with the Skin Cancer College of Australasia. Hi, Marika. How are you? Hi. Good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks for coming onto the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I wanted to start with you explaining more about your path in med and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so um, I was quite young when I started med school. I was uh, 17 and I started med school, I believe it was in uh, 2011. And after med school, um, I then, I had always had a very wide range of interests. I always really struggled to do just one thing. So I did extra certifications in pediatrics, sexual health, um, and that's what eventually led me down to path to GP. And since being in GP, essentially, I just didn't want to stop studying. And I always found, I found that skin cancer was something that really appealed to me. It was something that was very interesting and it allowed me to use a different part of my brain than general, uh, than general practice did. Um, and it allowed me to be a little bit more niche. And so I really found that was quite interesting. So I've decided to subspecialize in that, but still I'm doing a lot of general practice and still enjoy general practice. Did you always know you wanted to be a doctor? <laughs> no, I... I had a lot of things that I wanted to be when I was growing up. I only really decided that I wanted to be a doctor when I was in year 10. When I went to, I went to Tanzania as part of my school and we were in a medical clinic in Tanzania and I just thought, yeah, I just, it's, it's something that I think we kind of get discouraged from saying, um, particularly as we're going through our medical school exams, because it sounds cliche, but I did medicine because I wanted to help people. And I think that's something I remember telling somebody in first year medicine that I, that's why I did medicine and they scoffed at me. <laughs> I was like, they were like, 
and then somebody else next to me said, I did it because the body fascinates me. And that was a much better answer, apparently. Um, but yeah, I, I really did it because I wanted, I wanted to do a career that would help people. And there are other careers that you can help people on a large scale, but I feel, and medicine's not the only career that you can help people. But for me, I find it the most rewarding, particularly in the day-to-day interactions and particularly in um, GP and skin cancer medicine. I feel like I'm helping the community even in very small ways on a day-to-day scale, whereas some of the other jobs I don't think I'd enjoy it as much if it was kind of, if I was helping people, but on a maybe a more big picture one, I don't think I'd find that as satisfying. Great. Thanks for explaining how you got to where you are. And could you explain a bit more about GP and did you always want to do GP? Was that a linear path? No, it was. It, I entered medical school wanting to do GP because I was really inspired by my own GP growing up because when I grew up, like the GP knew everything. It was the only doctor that you ever really interacted with. And it was, you never really went to hospital, things like that. You would always go to your GP and that because I grew up in a more regional rural area. So that was really the main doctor I had contact with. And my GP growing up was fantastic. And so that really inspired me. Unfortunately, in medical school, there is, there's not really as much of a focus on primary care compared to other specialties. And there is a little bit of a stigma that you do primary care is kind of the backup specialty. And unfortunately, throughout medical school in the first couple of years of internship and residency, that stigma did impact my decision because I always thought, oh, no, in order to be seen to be doing well, I need to specialize and something else. But then I kind of accepted in internship and residency, I was looking around at all the specialty courses and the specialty training. And I really just sat to, said to myself, would I actually enjoy just doing one organ or one thing entirely for the rest of my life? And I realized that the answer was a resounding no. Um, so that's what led me to do um, general practice and get to get that width of experience, and that diversity of medicine, which is the main thing I really enjoy. That's really interesting that the stigma of GP as a backup option originally made you think that you had to do something else just to kind of prove that you were you're, you're a good doctor. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit unfortunate and I really hope that that's changing, that can change in the future because I think that never used to be the stigma and I never knew, I didn't know about that stigma until I went into medical school and heard kind of perceptions from medical students and doctors. So I'm hoping that we can kind of alleviate that stigma in the future as well. A hundred percent. We need primary care doctors. Uh, I remember yeah. one surgeon telling me that if I chose GP, that made me lazy. So <laughs> we need to break that narrative. Yep. So before you chose your subspecialties in GP, how was it for you being a GP trainee without the subspecialties? So I did towards the end, I actually did the subspecialty training while I was still training as a GP reg. It actually started because I do think that as a basis, as a basis, GPs should have more training in skin cancer medicine. Currently in Australia, the vast majority of skin cancer is already managed in primary care. And it is, it is talked about and we do touch on it in our um, GP training. But I realized that there was a significant lack. We weren't having, we weren't being trained in demoscopy, which I think 
should be as routine as being trained in doing normal cervical screens and other forms of screening that we're routinely trained in. Um, and I wanted to kind of, and I'd already had a little bit of experience through my SRMO years as a dermatology um, SRMO. And so I started just doing that a little bit of extra training and I didn't really know that much about the training pathway at that time. I just knew that I wanted to be better at this type of medicine because that was definitely a gap that I think should be filled in our training pathways a bit anyway. Um, And then I just found it fascinating and I realized that I could go down this path to initially accreditation plus or minus fellowship depending on how far I want to continue it in the future as well. Okay, great. So like while you were doing the training, you started realizing gaps in the training and what knowledge there was there. And from from there, you found the interest in skin cancer. Yeah, because I... I was also doing a lot of extra training. I kind of wanted to be really good and um, feel comfortable with everything in GP, which is a bit of a challenge given that GP covers every aspect of medicine. So while I was doing um, additional, I did additional mental health training, sexual health training, and um, skin cancer medicine training. And then the skin cancer medicine training really gripped my interest while I was in my GP uh, registrar years. And I um, have continued down that since fellowing as well. How about the other interests you have, like child health, sexual health? How did you find those niches in GP? Again, it was more just I would see certain presentations and I would realize that certain presentations were were really interesting. And again, there was perhaps a little bit of a gap in the training that we had, particularly in sexual health. I found that uh, sexual health is something that Actually, no, it is very well taught in um, GP training, but it's something that I was very interested in and always wanted to do a little bit more. And I was actually tossing up, did I want to subspecialize in sexual health versus skin cancer medicine? Those were kind of my two options that I had. And I wanted to just do the initial training for both of those and kind of test both of those out. And yeah, I still really like sexual health, pediatrics and um, doing mental health, which I also did an extra training in. But skin cancer was the one that really gripped me the most out of those subspecialties. What do you like about having a niche in GP? I like it in that it actually makes GP less stressful. The width of GP is so much you never know what's coming through the door and a lot of the times you have to um, jump quite quickly from one one day very commonly I'll see a mental health crisis and the next one I'll see um, an elderly gentleman having heart failure and the next one will be an antenatal care so it's a huge width and diversity of medicine which is very fulfilling but also sometimes it can be it can be quite drown- draining and there can be a lot of burnout associated with it if you do GP 100% GP full-time I found for me and also for a lot of my other colleagues I've noticed that there is it can get quite a lot and get a bit exhausting. So the thing I like about skin cancer medicine, one, I find it really interesting. It's focusing on a very niche aspect of medicine with a lot of detail involved in it. And also it's actually, it's nice to have one or two days where I know exactly what's going to come through the door. I can plan the day and it's focusing on uh, organized and kind of focusing on one thing throughout the day, which can be a nice little bit of a, it's a challenge in a different way from GP and it makes it so that I enjoy my GP days more. And I also enjoy my skin cancer days more. The fact that I have this balance between them. That's great to hear the positives of skin cancer medicine and also finding something that you like to break up the week to have a variety of things. So you you mentioned the positives of, of skin cancer medicine. 
Are there any downsides to doing it? Yeah, there is some downsides. So the main downside would be that despite primary care being one of the main, where the main people that usually treat the vast majority of skin cancer medicine, it isn't the the College of Skin Cancer Medicine is not recognised as an official college that's funded by the government in other ways like the RACGP is or the um, Royal Society of Physicians. And there's it's a little bit disappointing that there's not as much funding in it, despite the evidence being quite sound for the management of skin cancers, being appropriately managed by people with the appropriate training in primary care. And we've seen over the past year, there's been also been a lack of funding in skin cancer medicine. They've reduced um, item numbers for uh, melanoma in um, in the past uh, couple of months. So it's a bit disappointing just to see, again, uh, the lack of funding and the lack of um, kind of acknowledgement of the role that primary care plays in skin cancer medicine, while at the same time we are also kind of expected to be the main people that manage skin cancer medicine as well. How can someone get into skin cancer medicine and that training if they were interested in it? What would the next steps be? So there's kind of different levels of how far you want to get into and that's where the Skin Cancer College is really good. So there's the way that I started was about I think it was about two and a half years ago at this point, I just started with the basic certificate of demoscopy. And this is one of those certificates I actually think should be mandatory for all GPs. I think we should have it um, incorporated into the RACGP curriculum for the training of GPs. And it's a pretty basic, it's just a six-week course that gives you a little bit of a taste of what demoscopy is and how to diagnose and recognize skin cancers, or at least things that make you concerned that you would want to biopsy to exclude skin cancer. And then you can also do a certificate in skin cancer medicine, which is, again, that basic course that gets GPs a bit more familiar with some of those um, basic suturing skills in a way. And realistically, with a lot of these, with these two basic certificates, um, you would be able to do a significant proportion of skin cancer medicine fairly comfortably in a primary care setting. You can then go and do what's called accreditation. So accreditation means that you've done three years of skin cancer training with the Skin Cancer College of Australasia, and you've fulfilled certain requirements that um, are quite intense for both skin cancer surgery and demoscopy. So the demoscopy training, it's a six-month training. You have to do certain cases and um, some exams associated with it. And I did that one last year. Um, And you kind of have to do them one at a time because it's, it's too much work. They don't let you do both at the same time because it's too much work. It was quite a full-on curriculum, which I really enjoyed. And then you do the skin, uh, the certificate, uh, sorry, the advanced certificate of skin cancer medicine, which is what I'm going to be doing this year. And then if you complete all of these requirements, then you can become an accredited skin cancer physician with the Skin Cancer College of Australasia. After this, if you want to, and this is more for people who uh, have a lot more confidence in their surgical skills and also for people who are wanting to do more full-time skin cancer work, there is the option of going and doing a skin cancer fellowship, which I believe is an additional three or four years training on top of the um, accredited skin cancer Okay, so there's a lot of different levels depending on how much you want to 
to do in skin cancer medicine and what would the requirements be to have the basic certificate? Do you need to be with a particular college already or what no, do you think? you don't need to be a member of the RACGP or anything like that. It's pretty open for anybody who's wanting to do it. Um, I believe also in some of the courses that we did, some podiatrists and, um, dem- um, and dermatology nurses actually started doing the demoscopy courses as well. So it's not just for doctors. Um, anybody can do demoscopy if they so desire. So theoretically, could someone who has like done internship and residency be able to to go with the Skin Cancer Australasian College and, and continue just with that? Or how would that work? Yeah. So they'd be able to do, yeah. So anybody who, as long as you have um, a medical degree in Australia or New Zealand, then you would be able to do, start the skin cancer training uh, with them. So you don't need to be have any part of a fellowship because the, it, most of the people who do it are members of the RACGP just because it is a pretty common subspecialty and most of it is designed for primary care physicians. But you can be part, you um, it is designed that if you wanted to go through and complete fellowship or accreditation, then that is it's designed to be a college course in and of itself. So you were talking about your own pathway to skin cancer medicine. Are there any other pathways to do it? There's quite a few other pathways that can do it. And it, at the end of the day, it, the best pathway is going to be the one that's best suits your lifestyle and best which one you like the best. And for me, that was the Skin Cancer College of Australasia. But you can also do a Master's of Skin Cancer Medicine with the University of Queensland. And by doing that Master's, that is equivalent with the Skin Cancer College of Australasia to doing the advanced certificates that I'm currently doing. And that's also a way that you can um, become an accredited skin cancer physician. Um, and there's also some other companies, uh, Health Cert, that do also run some additional skin cancer training as well. And I know quite a few quite accomplished skin cancer doctors who did all of their skin cancer training through Health Cert. So if you're wanting to look into those, you can um, look up and see which one's the most appropriate for you. That's really great to know that there's a lot of different options to do it, that you don't have to stick to a really strict pathway. When you were figuring out your niches and what you wanted to do, um, thinking back on that, what advice would you give to junior doctors who are trying to find their own specialty interests? I would recommend if you have the ability, try out lots of different things. I think it's really hard to know what you like without having some experience of either studying or working in that space um, to begin with. I remember in med school, I did not enjoy dermatology whatsoever. I did not find it particularly interesting and I didn't really like skin cancer but then when I worked as a dermatology SRMO I realized oh I actually find this I find skin cancer actually really interesting and that interest only grew when I was working as a derm SRMO and a GP registrar Um, so it was just doing that and getting experience also talking to lots of people um, will generally it's never a bad thing and I also found out how to do it with the Skin Cancer College of Australasia, mainly by asking a lot of people, by joining Facebook groups and just being that annoying person that sends somebody a message on Facebook or sending an email. So really in order in medicine, in order to find your niche and in order to find what you like and to grow, I do really believe that you do need to be quite proactive in it. If you kind of sit back and try to wait for inspiration um, to come to you, it's probably not going to happen. You do need to be a bit more proactive. So go out and try a few things and see what, what calls you. Yeah, essentially, if you can. And I understand for some people that's not 
as uh, um, easy to do. But if at the bare, bare minimum, have a chat with somebody who's in the space and ask them, why, why do you like it? Do you think I might like it? Because I found some of those conversations are really useful for me. And before you were saying that you're trying to break the mold of there's not many female doctors working in skin cancer medicine, how how are you breaking that mold? And Just by doing it realistically. Um, and I also, this is kind of future aspirations and I don't know if they'll happen, but I do really want to hopefully teach some medical students one day and ideally both about the combination of the fact that I'm still working uh, as a GP, um, supporting my community, plus I'm also working as a skin cancer um, doctor in a skin clinic and I want to hopefully inspire some younger medical students and hopefully teach some younger medical students and let them know that this is a career goal that is achievable for women as well. I love that. Yeah. Just showing that through you doing it yourself, that it's possible for other women. So I ask everyone this question, what does balance mean to you? So I'm awful at balance. So this is more a goal for myself as opposed to something that I I think I'm the worst person in the world to try to lecture somebody else on balance because I do not have balance at the moment. So my goal for balance would definitely be to to actually take breaks, uh, take holidays and not feel like I have to do everything and achieve everything now and realize I have time. Yeah, it's really more just the taking breaks because I tend to not do that and want to do everything all at once. So that is what balance would ideally in the future this year look like for me. Okay, I like that. 2023, the year of balance. <laughs> yes. Don't, yeah, come back to me in a year. Maybe I'll have achieved it, but who knows? That's the, that's the goal. Well, I feel like balance is always that kind of ebb and flow of you're never a perfectly balanced and you shouldn't feel stressed about that either. It's just about kind of constantly calibrating like, okay, I think I'm going a bit far in this way at the moment. Maybe I need to pull back. Exactly. And balance, I think we all think that balance is something that all of the time you will be 50-50. And what it is, balance is, as you were saying, it's an ebb and flow. And there are some points in your life that you're going to have to work a little bit more for something and that's okay. But there'll be times where hopefully you can compensate the other way where you work a little bit less. And right now I'm trying to do the work a little bit less part of it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You deserve it. You've, you're fellowed. You can have a little holiday or something I don't know (laughs) now if anyone would like to reach out to you would you be open to that and how could they best do it yeah sure um so I'm happy for people to uh, slide into my dms on instagram um so I will it's marika paprika um and you can just leave me a message if you want some more information or I'm also happy to have a chat to people um who want to know more about either GP or skin cancer medicine and some of the nitty gritty about that. That's great. So I'm going to put all that in the show notes so you can find Marika on Instagram and thanks Marika thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom with finding a niche in medicine and all about skin cancer medicine, how to do it. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Balance Medics Handover podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate and review this podcast and click the follow button. For more resources, check out the Balance Medics website. The link to this will be in the show notes below. 
See you next episode.